0: Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. Today's episode is actually going to be the Come, Follow Me lesson number 14, which is for the week of Easter, March 29th through April the 4th. All the other lessons that I've done in the Doctrine and Covenants have been specifically for each section, but those uh, were organized in such a way that they coincided with the Come, Follow Me lessons, and so you'll see those throughout the year. So I'm going to get started with this. So in the in the manual for the Come Follow Me lesson for 2021, it has the uh, ideas for personal scripture study, and it lists a uh, few scriptures here, and we're going to go through the, those each one of them. Uh, so I'll just start in here with the lesson where it talks about uh, that Jesus Christ lives. The prophet Joseph Smith saw the the risen Savior several times, and two of these experiences are recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants, as you read sections 76 verses 11 to 14 and 20 to 24, and also section 110, verses 1 through 10. What impresses you about Joseph Smith's testimony? Why is his testimony valuable to you? Now, as I'm going through these, remember that these are primarily using scriptures from the Doctrine and Covenants. Last year's Come Follow Me lesson at Easter time included mostly Book of Mormon uh, scriptures, which are also wonderful. So, you know, you can augment this discussion with those from last year because they are Really good. Anyway, section 76 reads, We, Joseph Smith, Jr., Sidney Rigdon, being in the Spirit on the 16th day of February in the year of our Lord, 1832, by the power of the Spirit, our eyes were opened and our understandings were enlightened so as to see and understand the things of God. Even those things which were from the beginning before the world was, which were ordained of the Father through his only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father even from the beginning of whom we bear record, and the record which we bear is the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the Son whom we saw and with whom we conversed in the heavenly vision. And we beheld the glory of the Son on the right hand of the Father, and received of his fullness, and saw the holy angels and them who are sanctified before his throne, worshiping God and the Lamb, and who worship him forever and ever. And now, after the many testimonies which have been given of him, this is the testimony last of all or most recently, which we give of him, that he lives, for we saw him even on the right hand of God. And we bear, and we heard the voice bearing record that he is the only begotten of the Father, that by him and through him and of him the worlds are and were created, and the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters unto God." So in this section 76, where it talks about uh, the jurisdiction of Jesus here, um, it mentions uh, how he is the Savior of other worlds as well. Elder McConkie said, Now our Lord's jurisdiction and power extend far beyond the limits of this one small earth on which we dwell. He is, under the Father, the creator of worlds without number. And through the power of his atonement, the inhabitants of these worlds, the revelation says, are begotten sons and daughters unto God, which means that the atonement of Christ being literally and truly infinite applies to an infinite number of earths. And then down in section 110, uh, it reads, the veil was taken from our minds and the eyes of our understanding were open. We saw the Lord standing upon the breastwork of the pulpit before us and under his feet was a paved work of pure gold in color like amber. His eyes were as a flame of fire, the hair of his head was white like the pure snow. His countenance shone above the brightness of the sun, and his voice was as the sound of the rushing of great waters, even the voice of Jehovah, saying, I am the first and the last. I am he who liveth, I am he who was slain, I am your advocate with the Father. Behold, your sins are forgiven you, you are clean before me, therefore lift up your heads and rejoice. Let the hearts of your brethren rejoice, and let the hearts of all my people rejoice, who have with with their might built this house to my name. For behold, I have accepted this house, and my name shall be here, and I will manifest myself. To my people in mercy in this house. Yea, I will appear unto my servants and speak unto them with mine own voice if my people will keep my commandments and do not pollute this holy house. Yea, the hearts of thousands and tens of thousands shall greatly rejoice in consequence of the blessings which shall be poured out and the endowment with which my servants have been endowed in this house and the fame and this house and the fame of this house shall spread to foreign lands and this is the beginning of the blessing which shall be poured out upon the heads of my people even so amen and so as we look at this these scriptures here it talks about the description of the savior uh, of the savior and and uh, it's kind of hard to describe something heavenly like that and so joseph did the best he could with uh, what he could Also, throughout the Doctrine and Covenants, the Savior bore witness of his own mission and divinity. What do you learn about the living Christ from his words in Doctrine and Covenants section 29 verse 5, chapter, or section 38 verse 7, and section 62 verse 1? You might consider recording declarations like these that you find as you study the Doctrine and Covenants. So, 29 verse 5 reads, Lift up your hearts and be glad, for I am in your midst, and am your advocate with the Father, and it is his good will to give you the kingdom." Section 38, verse 7 reads, But behold, verily I say unto you, that mine eyes are upon you. I am in your midst, and ye cannot see me. And then 62, verse 1, Behold and hearken, O ye elders of my church, saith the Lord your God, even Jesus Christ your advocate, who knoweth the weakness of man, and how to succor them who are tempted. How was Jesus able to succor us? This revelation reassures that the saints that ge- reassures the saints that Jesus Christ, by experience, is familiar with our mortal trials and temptations. Moreover, he knows how to help us to overcome our weaknesses and has made ample provision and preparation to cleanse us from our sins. See also Joseph Smith History uh, chapter or sec- yeah chapter one verse seventeen which reads, It no no sooner appeared than I found myself delivered from the enemy which held me bound. When the light rested upon me, I saw two personages, whose brightness and glory defy all description, standing above me in the air. One of them spake unto me, calling me by name, and said, pointing to the other, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. On other occasions, Joseph Smith said, a personage appeared in the midst of this pillar of flame, which was spread all around, and yet nothing consumed. Another personage soon appeared at uh, like unto the first. According to uh, another account, Joseph saw a personage in the fire of light complexion, blue eyes, a piece of white cloth drawn over his shoulders, with hit, with right arm bare. His right arm bare. After a while, another person came to the side of the first. In the Wentworth letter, Joseph wrote that the two he saw two person two glorious personages who exactly resembled each other in features and likeness. Uh, also, it says uh, in, the, in the lesson, because of Jesus Christ, I will be resurrected. Joseph Smith knew how it feels to mourn the death of loved ones. Two of his brothers, Alvin and Don Carlos, died as young men. Joseph and Emma buried six children, each younger than two years old. But from the revelations he received, Joseph gained an eternal perspective on death and God's eternal plan. Consider the truths revealed in Doctrine and Covenants section 29 verses 26 to 27. Section 42, verses 45 to 46, 63, verse 49, and 88, verses 14 to 17, 27 to 31, and section 93, verses 33 to 34. How do these revelations affect the way you view death? How can they affect the way you live? Section 29, Verses 26 to 27 reads, But behold, verily I say unto you, before the earth shall pass away, Michael, mine archangel, shall sound his trump, and then shall all the dead awake, for their graves shall be opened, and they shall come forth, yea, even all. And the righteous shall be gathered on my right hand unto eternal life, and the wicked on my left hand shall, will I be ashamed to own before the Father. Section 42 Thou shalt live together in love, insomuch that thou shalt weep for the loss of them that die, and more especially for those that have not hope of a glorious resurrection. And it shall come to pass that those that die in me shall not taste of death, for it shall be sweet unto them." That doesn't mean that uh, saints aren't going to feel the pains of death, but it's uh, Joseph Ealing Smith said to some members of the church, the saying that those who die in the Lord shall not taste of death has been a hard saying. They have seen a good, faithful man and women suffer days and at times for months before they were taken. But here the Lord does not say that they shall not suffer pain of body, but that they shall be free from the anguish and torment of soul, which will be partaken of by the wicked. And although they may suffer in body, yet death to them will be sweet in that they will realize that they are worthy before the Lord. With reference to this phrase, President Kimball said, I think that means that we are not going into the other world feeling resentment and reticence. After they get past a certain point, they go with happiness, peace, and contentment. Section 63 reads, Yea, and blessed are the dead that die in the Lord, from henceforth when the Lord shall come, and old things shall pass away, and all things become new. They shall rise from the dead, and shall not die after, and shall receive an inheritance before the Lord in the holy city. Notice that it mentions that they won't die anymore, uh, that once your body has been reunited with your spirit, then that can never be separated again. Section 88 verses read, Now verily I say unto you, that through the redemption which is made for you is brought to pass the resurrection from the dead. And the spirit and the body are the soul of man, and the resurrection from the dead is the redemption of the soul. And the redemption of the soul is through him that quickeneth all things, in whose bosom it is decreed that the poor and the meek of the earth shall inherit it. For notwithstanding they die, they they shall also rise again. A spiritual body. They who are of a celestial spirit shall receive the same body which was a natural body. Even ye shall receive your bodies, and your glory shall be that of that glory by which your bodies are quickened. Ye who are quickened by a portion of the celestial glory shall then receive of the same even a fullness. And they who are quickened by a portion of the terrestrial glory shall receive of the same even a fullness. And also they who are quickened by a portion of the celestial glory shall then receive. Of the same, even a fullness. And then in in section 93, For man is spirit, the elements are eternal, and spirit and element inseparably connected receive a fullness of joy. And when separated, man cannot receive a fullness of joy. So in talking about the resurrection of the body, uh, just to kind of clarify a few things, Um, Joseph F. Smith declared it was revealed from God the fountain of truth through Joseph Smith the prophet in this dispensation that in the resurrection of the dead the child that was buried in its infancy will come up in the form of the child that it was that it was when it was laid down then it will begin to develop from the day of the resurrection the body will develop until it reaches the full measure of the stature of its spirit whether it be male or female. And then Joseph Smith also said, There is no fundamental principle belonging to a human system that ever goes into another in this world or in the world to come. I care not what the theories of men are. We have the testimony that God will raise us up, and he has the power to do it. If anyone supposes that any part of our bodies, that is, the fundamental parts thereof, ever goes into another body, he is mistaken. There are many elements of the earth that pass through our bodies as we gain and lose flesh. However, the fundamental parts of our bodies referred to by the prophet will rise with us in the the resurrection. Further, our resurrected bodies will be composed of the same particles that were incorporated in our system during mortality. And so the same body that we have now will be the body that we get resurrected with, or at least the body at our death will be what we get resurrected with. Further in the lesson, it suggests that we see also 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in a talk by M. Russell Ballard entitled, The Vision of the Redemption of the Dead. Christ accomplished a perfect atonement. One way to focus on the Savior at Easter time is to study revelations in the Doctrine and Covenants that teach about his atoning sacrifice. Some of these can be found in Doctrine and Covenants sections 18, verses 10 to 13, 19, 16 through 19, 45, 3 through 5, and 76, 69 through 70. Perhaps you can make a list of truths about the Savior's atonement that you find in these verses. To deepen your study, you could could add to your list by searching Scripture references listed in atone or atonement in the uh, topical guide or in the guide to the Scriptures. Uh, Section 18, verses 10 to 13 reads, Remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. For behold, the Lord your Redeemer suffered death in the flesh, wherefore he suffered the pain of all men that all men might repent and come unto him. He that And he that riseth and he hath risen again from the dead, that he might bring all men unto him on conditions of repentance. And how great is his joy in the soul that repenteth. We can't really begin to understand the pains that uh, the Savior went through. Uh, Orson F. Whitney said, The piled up agony of the human race, what is thrown on the scale of remorse as observed by Truman Madsen, when we aggregate the cumulative impact of our vicious thoughts, motives, and acts? What, as Elder Featherstone inquired, is the weight and immensity of the penalties of all broken laws crying from the dust and from the future, an incomprehensible tidal wave of guilt? How many searing consciences has this world produced, and to what depths of depravity has this earthly sphere sunk? Can anyone possibly fathom the horrendous consequences of such sin? Not only did the Savior fathom it, he felt it, and he suffered it. Section 19 talks about the suffering of Jesus. It says, For behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all, that they might not suffer if they would repent. But if they would not repent, they must suffer even as I. Which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore, and to suffer both body and spirit, and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. Nevertheless, glory be to the Father, and I partook and finished my preparations unto the children of men. I like this uh, scripture here, or this uh, comment that Elder uh, Merrill J. Bateman gave uh, in General Conference in April of 1995. He said, For many years, I have thought of the Savior's experience in the garden and on the cross as places where a large mass of sin was heaped upon him. Through the words of Alma, Abinadi, Isaiah, and other prophets, however, my view has been changed. Instead of, a, of an impersonal mass of sin, there was a long line of people. as Jesus felt our infirmities, bore our griefs, carried our sorrows, and was bruised for our iniquities. The atonement was an infinite or was an intimate personal experience in which Jesus came to know each of us or how to help each of us. The Pearl of Great Price teaches that Moses was shown all the inhabitants of the earth which were numberless as the sand upon the seashore. If Moses beheld every soul, then it seems reasonable that the creator of the universe has the power to become intimately acquainted with each of us. He learned about your weaknesses and mine. He experienced your pains and sufferings. He experienced mine. I testify that he knows us. He understands the way in which we deal with temptation. He knows our weaknesses. How more? How, but more than that, more than just knowing us, he knows how to help us if we come to him in faith. And then in verse uh, section 45 it reads, Listen to him who is the advocate with the Father, who is pleading your cause before him, saying, Father, behold the sufferings and death of him who did no sin, in whom thou wast well pleased. Behold the blood of thy Son which was shed, and the blood of him whom thou gavest, that thyself might be glorified. Wherefore, Father, spare these my brethren that believe on my name, that they may come unto me and have everlasting life." Isn't that going to be a wonderful thing when the Savior will stand beside us at the bar of judgment and uh, plead to the Father that we're worthy to come into his presence? And that can only happen through our repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and keeping the commandments section 76 reads these are they who are just men made perfect through jesus the mediator of the new covenant who wrought out this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood these are they whose bodies are celestial whose glory is that of the sun even the glory of god the highest of all whose glory the son of the firmament is written of as being typical here are some questions that you could guide that could guide your study why did jesus christ choose to suffer what must i do to receive the blessings of his sacrifice? How can I tell if his atonement is having an effect in my life? I like the comment that Elder Packer once gave about how do we know that we're forgiven of our sins? Elder Packer's comment was, you'll know. You will know. I bear testimony that these things are true, that Jesus really is the Christ, the Savior of the world, and that through his atoning sacrifice, we can return back to our Heavenly Father, clean and pure, through the atonement of Christ and through our faith in him. And I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Happy Easter.